Good morning. Welcome back to our fourth Anchor to the Word morning reflection for the week. And we've been working our way through Luke chapter 11. And this morning we're going to look at verses 31 and 32 as our focal point. But I do want to read the entire section with you uh, just so that we can remind ourselves of what we've been digging into. So again, that's Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 33. And when the people were gathered thick together... He began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the son of man be to this generation. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Now, the part that I want us to focus in on is what he says in verses 31 and 32. And yesterday, we talked about how this was a tremendously privileged generation, And not only were they a privileged generation, but their lack of acceptance of the truth, their rejection of the truth was something that should really humble us and something that should really sober us as we think about it. Well, what we're going to do is kind of go a little bit further into that this morning and talk about how there are two people or two groups that were mentioned that Jesus reminds this generation of to say, if these people were willing to embrace the truth and defy all the odds, then why do you have to reject the truth? That's really what he's saying. So again, he says in verse 31, that the queen of the South will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. He says in verse 32, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, we use two examples. The first example is the story of the Ninevites. And we know about the Ninevites. They were a people that lived to the north of the nation of Israel, the northern kingdoms of Israel. And they were adversarial to the nation of Israel. In fact, they established a large empire. And I I remember uh, several years ago when I was in London um, having the opportunity to go to the British Museum. And there in the British Museum was able to walk into this section that was ancient artifacts, and there were these pillars that would have been at the entrance when you were walking into the city of Nineveh. It was a fascinating thing. But when we talk about the Ninevites, they were a people that were very harsh. They were brutal. They were very, very evil in how they dealt with their enemies. They were known for their brutality. And the the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, was absolutely terrified of this people. They knew they were adversarial, and they were concerned about their own security. So you can only imagine that when God goes to Jonah, a prophet of the Lord, and he commands him to go up to Nineveh and to cry out in the city and tell them to repent, um, basically, or to warn them, actually, he doesn't actually say repent. He he simply warns them that they're going to be judged. Um he did the exact opposite of what God told him to do. He ran as far as he could. He goes down to the seaside and he takes a ship in Tarsus and he tries to go as far away from Nineveh as possible. And what does God do? 
Well, God sends a mighty storm. And as all of the people that were there in that boat were terrified for their lives and crying out to their gods, they said, is there anybody else who hasn't cried out to their God yet? And there's Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And they call him out and they say, you need to cry out to your gods. And he says, well, I'm the reason there's a problem here. So throw me overboard. Let me die in the sea. That was his solution. He did not want to go to Nineveh. Well, through the course of circumstances, God raises up a fish. He swallows Jonah whole. For three days, he's in the belly of this great fish. He repents. He humbles himself. God, God rescues him from that terrible plight. And then he goes to Nineveh and he preaches that God's going to judge the city. What happens? Well, the people turn to God in humility. They cry out to him for mercy. They believe the message. And from the rich to the poor, from the most powerful to the weakest in the city, they all turn to the Lord in humility and they repent. And God has mercy on them. Then we have the example in 2 Chronicles 9 of the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba. She hears the story of the greatness of Solomon. And she hears the story of the greatness of the temple and the greatness of Solomon's God and his wisdom and all those things. And she comes from this great distance from the land of Ethiopia, the area that would, would now be uh, Djibouti and Yemen and the northern parts of Ethiopia. This was the region that this woman more than likely controlled as queen of the south. And she comes up to Jerusalem and there she meets with Solomon and she hears his wisdom and she is just floored by what she comes in contact with. Why does he give these two examples? Well, both were Gentiles. Both uh, turned to the Lord and were repentant and wanted the truth. One happened at a time when Israel was weak and vulnerable, yet they still responded to the message of the prophet. One comes at a time when Israel is strong and vibrant, and powerful, and she comes from great distance to do this at the, at the peak of Israel's power. One experienced God's extraordinary grace by sending, by God sending this rebellious prophet to rebuke their sin. The other travels an extraordinary distance extraordinary lengths to learn about Israel's God. The distance for one made it improbable. The debauchery of the other made it improbable. But what happens? The same result. Both groups turn to the Lord in repentance and in humility, and they experience God's grace. Now, why does Jesus say all this? Well, his point is simple. His point is, if these people who had so much against them could turn to me What's your problem? <laughs> That's what he's saying. Why can you not respond to the truth? If these people could turn to me, then what is the level of judgment that you will experience for your rejection of this tremendous extension of grace and all of this information that's available to you? What will your level of condemnation be when you think about how much you have compared to others? And so his message is clear. Humble yourself, learn from them while there's opportunity. Now, the fact that Jesus is saying this is not him being nasty and harsh and him just, you know, saying you're done. No, he's extending them another opportunity. His warning is meant to humble them and to call them to the truth. The fact that he's being blunt is so that they will be confronted and they'll humble themselves and embrace him as the Savior and the Lord, the Messiah. And so I encourage you, let's learn from these people. Let's be humbled by their humility. 
let's be inspired by their desire to respond to the truth against all odds. I pray that the Lord will use this to be an encouragement to you today. And as you think about others, you pray for them, pray that God would work in their heart, that they would respond to the truth, even defying the odds of what it appears they are going to have. Well, Lord willing, tomorrow we will close out our study for the week, looking at some final thoughts. Have a blessed morning, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.